Kaka, and I'm your host, James Roberts. Before we get started with this week's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners, and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, I've got Coleman Baker. Coleman is a mindful habit life coach, mindfulness teacher, speaker, professor, and author. So welcome on to the show, Coleman. Thanks, James. Thrilled to be here, man. So before we delve into today's episode, Coleman, can you talk to us how you got into becoming a habit life coach? Yeah, uh, the, the story is, it's not a very, it's not what I'm really proud of, but the story is I spent uh, more than 20 years uh, engaging in habitual negative compulsive activity, mostly around my sexuality. Um, it, it had to do with online porn, um, phone sex, chat rooms, uh, texting, Craigslist, sexual harassment, you name it. Man, I was, uh, I was just, uh, I was one of those guys that, uh, was, was really, um, really messed up in my, in my sexual behavior. And that had this massive effect, um, in every other area of my life because I mean, I was acting in this, in this terrible way, but, but I also felt really guilty and really shameful about it. And, and all that inner turmoil just, just had me. I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was an asshole to be around. I was a grump. Um, I wasn't very productive. Um, I just wasn't always my best. And I tried, yeah, go ahead. But how, how did that kind of, that kind of compulsive behavior come about though? What was kind of a catalyst to kind of steer you down that negative path, so to speak? So for me, and and for a lot of the guys that I work with, um, a lot of it was rooted in some relationship trauma that happened early on um, in in my in my young adult life. I mean, my parents were divorced when I was a teenager, but that's not you know a massive shift for a lot of people um, uh, my generation and and and, and younger. Um, but it did, it was sort of, it did sort of, you know, shatter, shatter my world a bit. Um, but there were particularly a couple of relationships that, um, just were, uh, just ended really, really badly. And I had already been introduced to pornography and I, and at that point, I mean, when, when I was, I was, you know, I was depressed, I was feeling bad about these relationships and I found a way to escape from that pain by indulging in this behavior. And the more I indulged in it, the, the, the deeper I got and, and the more activities I added. And so it was this, these issues around um, uh, relationship significance, uh, security, wanting to be wanted by somebody. All of those things really wrapped up inside of me, and it was and, and so I just I was in this behavior for, for, a, for a very long time. And I tried to stop. I knew, I knew I was, you know, not doing the best thing that I could be doing. And I tried to stop and I'd go two or three weeks or a month or two months. And then I'd go right back to it. Always find myself right back in it. Whenever that, those feelings of insignificance, insecurity, uh, anything like that came up, I'd always find my way right back into it. Um, and like I said, it just made me, um, it affected every area of my life. Um, and, and that effect had a really negative effect on my relationships, 
uh, on my marriage, on my relationship with my own kids. And I wound up living alone, divorced, estranged from two of my kids and depressed and in just this funk of not knowing what I was going to do, where was I going in life? Uh, my world had been shattered and I knew I had to get help. And so I had done some searching online. I had started a meditation practice. I'd long been interested in meditation, um, but never really got serious about it until now. And I knew that I needed to, I needed a change. And so I started this meditation practice and it started to make a real difference. And I had wondered if anybody ever put together meditation and help for what, I mean, the common term is sexual addiction. And I, uh, so I kind of did some searching for that. I found a guy that had been there. He had been through the same thing I'd been through. Uh, he had tried to quit. He'd been to therapy, been to counselors like I had. None of it helped. And he finally just sort of created his own path and, 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 and built around meditation. And so I got his contact information. I called him up and said, hey, man, uh, help me up help me out here. And I, I hired him. He was, he's a life coach and he, I hired him and he, I worked together with him, uh, went through his group program and, and my life absolutely began to shift and began to change for the positive. And, and it was, it was, you know, several months into this process, I was much clear, my, 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 my clarity was incredible. I was productive at what I was doing at work. Um, I, I wasn't in a relationship, but man, I felt really good about myself for the first time in a very long time. I felt good about myself. And, and I thought the kind of difference that I felt in my life in this span of, I mean, three months, man, three months is like night and day. And I thought I would love to be able to help other guys do the same thing. And you know, the rest is history. I got enrolled in a, a certification program, um, went down that road, actually was enrolled also at the same time as a mindful in a mindfulness meditation program. So I got the double certification thing and, 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 and got started. And now I've, uh, you know, I've been doing this almost a year and I have coached guys on three continents seven countries, uh, all over the United States, um, online in a video chat like this. And, 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 and I do it for 10 weeks. And by the end of the 10 weeks, most of the guys that work with me just have dramatically different outcomes, uh, than what they started. It is such reward, such rewarding work to be able to help guys really turn things around. And in your opinion now, Coleman, do you think, Probably a generalization a little bit. Do you think men betray this um, essence of a kind of a different persona and kind of uh, an alter ego when it comes to that kind of behavior? A lot of guys do, for sure. I mean, um, you know, a, a lot of guys sort of, you know, they get into sort of that, as you said, that persona. They put on that mask of... Of, of what kind of person they are when they're engaging in that kind of behavior. It's not uncommon. And do you think with obviously the access accessibility that is readily available with smartphones, uh, tablets, and, and you name it, would have been so easily available. Do you think the problem is possibly going, only going to get worse with this generation? Well, I, 
I don't know if it's going to get worse. Um, you know, what, what, I, what I will say is that, I mean, it really is the instant access. It's the, it's the, it's, it's the instant access anytime you want it. Um, but it's also the, it's the endless variety. That's the thing that keeps the, 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 the brain chemicals churning is that endless variety. You can get, I mean, if you don't enjoy what you're looking at, man, you can just so fast forward, see if the video gets any better. If not, click on the next one and go, go to town. Uh, you just keep, keep scrolling, keep looking, keep fishing, uh, so to speak. Um, there, I mean, one concern is um, guys that are younger, um, you know, guys that are adolescents, young 20s, whose brains haven't fully developed yet, right? Um, uh, in, in terms of being, you know, what scientists and neuroscience would consider a, an adult brain, uh, those teenagers and 20, 21, 22 year olds. Um, there, there is some evidence in some studies that, that their brains have a harder time recovering from being exposed to habitual, compulsive, repetitive online pornography use. And some of that may be because they've never known anything but that. I mean, a lot of people are, you know, kids are exposed around 10 or 11 years of age. Uh, and and, and you, you think about, you know, a kid that you know, starts looking at 10 and, and, and he looks throughout his adolescent through that, through that period of, 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 of puberty uh, into young adulthood uh, has never known anything besides online porn and an endless variety. Uh, you can imagine what that's going to do to his relationship when he tries to, when he tries to date, <laughs> when he actually tries to get married, um, uh, th th this, this stuff is not, I mean, you know, there's a lot, there's a, there's a really, a, you know, the, a loud voice out there that's saying, you know, there's nothing wrong with this. And, you know, it's people are prudish or censorship. And it's not about that. It's not about being prudish. It's not about wanting to censor anything. Um, it's about recognizing the damage that is being done to our brains because of the endless variety and the endless accessibility that is out there. This is not like finding your dad's playboy stash you know, like when I was a kid, this is not the same thing. This is, we're talking two different things. But going a step further than that now, Colin, would you, would you say that they then, if they do engage in that type of behavior earlier, early on or earlier, that they can't distinguish between what is quote unquote fictional with what you would, how would you treat a normal human being? I, you know, and that's that. I guess I mean it's a pretty broad generalization, and, and so I can't speak to every circumstance. But just just imagine it. If you get take a take a boy, a young boy, ten, eleven, twelve years old, never had sex, never been exposed to sex, um, hasn't probably hasn't even had any kind of sex education at home or at school, right? And even if they have, the sex education in schools are not that great. Okay. Uh, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's forced. It's, you know, it's not, it's not terrific. What they learn about sex is from watching online pornography. I mean, and, 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 and if, if that happens at an early age, by the time they're late teens, 
um, early 20s, they're engaging and, and starting to, to engage in sexual behavior. All they know is what they've seen on a screen. And, and, and so they don't have any framework around which to, uh, to really uh, identify what's, what's healthy sex look like? Or what is it? That's, that, that's not a healthy representation. Uh, it's not the way things are in real life. And, and, and we need to do a better job of educating. We need to do a better job of educating the young people about what real sex looks like, about, what, um, what, about the, the fact that, that online porn is not a very good representation of actual sex between two people. Well, how would you go about it? Because obviously sexual health and whatnot in education is, like you say, it's, there's that barrier. Obviously there's people going to be embarrassed how it's taught. Um, obviously for be from both the student perspective and the teacher, how would you kind of bridge that gap? Because it's, it's very, it's a very difficult subject. Well, it's not a touchy subject, but it's very difficult subject to engage in. It is tough. It's tough, especially with that age. And what, what I don't think is, is, is particularly helpful um, is, is curriculum that doesn't really address the important topics. I mean, you know, we need to have curriculum that talks about STDs, that talks about, um, you know, uh, condom use, safe sex, preventing STDs, preventing unwanted pregnancies, early teenage pregnancies. So much of the emphasis on sex education for young people has to do with abstinence. Don't do it, right? And the reality is young people, some of them are going to have sex. There's nothing historically that adults can do to stop that. There's nothing we're ever going to be able to do to stop that. So if our approach is always sex um, leads to babies, you don't want a baby right now, you've got your whole life in front of you, therefore don't have sex. That, that's not a helpful, healthy approach to teaching kids sexuality. Uh, so I think we need a, a broader-based approach. But again, that kind of approach in a more public setting, like a public school or even a private school, is going to be challenging. Uh, I think it's got to come down to parents, um, parents, grandparents, uh, those that uh, are the people that are uh, in charge of raising uh, our young people. We are the ones that, that really bear the most responsibility to try to, to have a real conversation. Uh, about sex. And, and, and I know that's uncomfortable for parents. It's uncomfortable for, for the kids of parents. Uh, I remember the conversation I had when I was a teenager. God, I wouldn't want to relive that for my life. But it's so important. It's so important. And with the online porn, I mean, we didn't have, there was no internet when I was a kid. You know, we didn't have to have that conversation. That really needs to be uh, a part, a part of the conversation that parents are having with their with their kids. And I know this is a bit of a generalization. Uh, generalization, not common. Do you think that obviously it's going to apply to some kids and maybe not others? You, when they're told to not do something, they're obviously going to do the complete opposite. Yeah, I mean that's that's often that's often the case. Um, I, I mean, you, you, you've got to pick, you've got to pick an approach that works. And that's, I mean, you said it's a generalization and it is, um, all relationships with parents and kids are different. Um, and you know, there are some kids you can tell them, look, don't do this. And they're absolutely never going to do it. 
and there are some kids that are just going to do it because you said don't do it. And, and, and so you, you, you as the person that knows this young person, you've got to engage that person in a way that you think will best meet their needs, not only right now, but help prepare them to be the best adults that they can be. But now bringing sexual, sexual, uh, I can't speak, sex ed to kind of the 21st century, how would you kind of go about it? Like, the, like, like from a, the easy steps that you could possibly implement to maybe bring it into the future. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you're, you're, you're pushing me into, into new territory because I really haven't even thought too much um, about this because my emphasis really is on helping guys that have already struggled with this, that are trying to, to get out of it. Um, but I think you're, I think, mean, I think your point is exactly, is exactly there that, I mean, what, what if there, there's surely there's going to be a way that we can help prevent this thing uh, from, from, from becoming an issue uh, in the beginning. And, and, I, and I think whatever the approach is, and I, I'm not the guy to develop that, but whatever the approach is needs to be holistic. It's got to, like I said, it can't just be an abstinence only type of education. Uh, it, 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 it's got to, I mean, it might include abstinence, you know, the idea that it, it's probably a good idea for you to not have sex until you're in a committed relationship with another person. Um, but there's also these other things that we need to talk about. We need to talk about sexually transmitted diseases. We need to talk about pregnancies uh, and ways to avoid those things that you can use to have safe, to practice safe sex. Um, and I think that, 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 we really have to start having that conversation about pornography, online porn, and the way it doesn't really accurately represent um, what a healthy sexual relationship looks like. That's not to say that there's not, you know, porn out there that's better than, than others, but, 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 but it's not, it, none of it is really uh, helping us develop uh, into the sexual beings that, that, that were intended to be. I, I think it's got to be something that's mobile friendly, something that, I mean, obviously can be interactive. Uh, you know, you can't give anybody a book these days and expect them to read it and digest the material. There needs to be video components, uh, interactive touchscreen. Um, like I said, I'm not the guy to develop this, but those are just my thoughts off the top of my head. And if we kind of come back to how, like the domain that you're working in now, Coleman, Obviously, you brought up some good examples that you could implement to kids. Obviously, the individuals that you work with are very individualistic. So the kind of the approach you have to take is very, is it very much similar in that light that you've got to tailor it to that individual? What 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 our approach does um, is focuses on habits um, because I mean we you know we, the the term we hear in the media is sex addiction, sexual addiction, um, whether, and then there's a big debate I mean, out there, believe it or not, there's this massive debate about whether sex can be addictive, whether addiction is the right word to use and all that. I don't really care what you call it. Um, the fact is that, I mean, what, what we have is a compulsive habitual pattern that, that guys have put into place. Uh, and so we try to identify the habit pattern that's in place we try to interrupt that habit pattern. Uh, I teach guys uh, how to practice mindfulness, how to meditate. Um, the guys that work with me for 10 weeks, I, I, I challenge them and I ask them twice a week, are you meditating? 
Uh, are you doing it every day? And, and I push and challenge and try to get them to do, to do as much meditation as they can stand. And that helps just sort of create that space within that habit pattern. And it's, it, it's in there that we start using some other tools to try to start deviating from, you know, this is the pattern that I used to follow, but I'm stopping that and I'm going in a different direction. To, the science is clear. The science is clear on, on habit formation and reformation. Uh, and that is if, if you're going to break a habit, you've got to make a habit. If you're going to stop one thing, you've got to replace it with something else. And you can't just focus on the thing that you're trying to stop. You've got to focus on something new, something healthy, something productive. So that's what that, that, that's the overall approach that I take is give some guys the tools the, uh, that they need to interrupt their own negative habit cycles and then work with them in all of the areas of their life to start creating healthy habits that are going to lead them to be the best version of them that they could possibly be. Now that's pretty general, but by the time we start talking about where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? What kind of man, what kind of dad, what kind of father, what kind of coworker, business owner do you want to be? All these answers are very specific to each person. So by the time they get through with my 10 week program, uh, what they've got is a very individualized blueprint for their life and a very specific tactical plan on how they're going to enact that blueprint going forward. So in, in essence, Coleman, it's kind of putting the building blocks in place of, well, not starting from scratch, but like you say, replacing a habit with another and then building up from the base. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And my final question for you, Coleman, before we wrap up the episode today is if you had to summarize what we've been speaking with today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? I help guys overcome negative compulsive habits that are wreaking havoc in their lives and start creating the life they really want. I think that's some great words, Coleman. So once again, thanks for coming on the Mindset Game podcast. Appreciate it, man. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks again for coming on. And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short written review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.